The Sisu Way with Scott McGee, episode 29, The Four Agreements. The False Belief. As a man was passing the elephants, he suddenly stopped, confused by the fact that these huge creatures were being held by only a small rope tied to their front leg. No chains, no cages. It was obvious that the elephants could, at any time, break away from their bonds, but for some reason, they did not. He saw a trainer nearby and asked why these animals just stood there and made no attempt to get away. Well, the trainer said, when they are very young and much smaller, we use the same size rope to tie them and at that age, it's enough to hold them. As they grow up, they are conditioned to believe they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them, so they never try to break free. The man was amazed. These animals could at any time break free from their bonds, but because they believed they couldn't, they were stuck right where they were. Like the elephants, how many of us go through life hanging on to a belief that we cannot do something simply because we failed at it once before? Failure is part of learning. We should never give up the struggle in life. You fail not because you are destined to fail, but because there are lessons which you need to learn as you move on with your life. This is the Sisu way a show about grit, character, gratitude, service, and what it means to choose strength. I am Scott McGee, a mindful warrior on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. And the author of the book, The Four Agreements, is an unconquerable soul. His name is Don Miguel Ruiz. Although he is not here in person, I think you, you and I will both get to understand him as this episode progresses. I am also oddly satisfied to once again revisit the solo episodes or the solitude episodes as I might call them. As much as I absolutely love guests, these solitude episodes serve a purpose that connect back to the whys of the show. So if you haven't already, check out episode one and you will know what I mean. So I've wanted to do an episode on the book, The Four Agreements, for some time now. It is a short book by Don Miguel Ruiz titled, here's a formal title, The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom. It was published in 1997 and became an international bestseller. It first earned the number one spot on the New York Times bestseller list in 2001, and I will tell you how in a few moments here. This book is simple and beautifully complicated. I plan to go in and out of the book with some short discussions uh, from this book as well as The Art of Living by Epictetus, which I did uh, a solitude episode uh, early on. Um, I forget what number it was, but you'll be able to find it. Uh, and I like to compare these because they're nearly 2,000 years apart in philosophy. But I was also going to pull in comparisons and tie-ins from numerous locations and philosophers. But then I realized I was having paralysis by analysis, and I wanted to get this episode out since it is the beginning of 2019. Uh, one thing, it should be noted that this is a four agreements summary. It is an intellectual property of Don Miguel Ruiz and I'm not making any attempt, uh, no attempt is being made here to exploit this information, merely to review and form uh, 
show my appreciation for it, learn and grow from this beautiful message. And I highly encourage you to purchase the book and study it as you can uh, on your own time and you get to go as deep as you want into it. Uh, I've read this book several times and each time I read it, something else stands, stands out to me. And so it's hard to capture all this stuff in, in one episode here. But it is a wonderful book for stress management and personal growth. It's written uh, in simple language, but deals with complex themes that you can get get help uh, that can help you in your, bring positive changes to your life uh, should you be looking for it. It also happens to be Tom Brady and Giselle's favorite book. It has become a mantra for Tom Brady's life and something to point out, if you pay close attention to his interviews, you can see he has the four agreements as the framework for what he says, how he responds, who he gives credit for, how he owns up to thing, how he always talking about doing his best. And, uh, you can, if you pay attention, you can see he's, he's doing his best to be impeccable with his word. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres is another person that loved this book so much that she recommended it to Oprah on the air. Oprah read the book that night and ended up buying 500 more copies in her Oprah style, 500 more copies for her friends and her colleagues. And then she, at that time, suggested it to uh, the millions of viewers um, that they consider giving it as a holiday gift. She even featured it in her premiere issue of O Magazine. And so it impacted Oprah so much that she ended up, once she opened up her school in South Africa, she gifted it to all the girls in the school. And later on, she even had Don Miguel Ruiz as a guest on her um, show called Super Soul TV. And that's online if you want to catch it. Before I dive into the Toltec philosophy and the four agreements, I want to thank you all for a very rewarding first year of the CCUA podcast. This has traveled in ways that words cannot describe. But let me just say I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity and proud to be able to bring some amazing people, ponders, thoughts, and lessons of gratitude to your day. Hopefully you are following me on Instagram at McGee and the show at The Sisu Way. Uh, you may have noticed that I use these locations for additional posts, blogs, uh, and, and thought engraving in between episodes. Also, please be mindful to leave an iTunes review. It is easy and quick to do. I'm not just saying that to say it, all right? I'm talking to you. Yes, you, the one who listens and loves the show, but haven't followed through with a positive intention in your head and made it actually happen in reality. Never stifle a generous impulse. So my challenge to you right now is to take that positive intention in your head and put it into action. I want you to, I'm going to challenge you to follow through. And so uh, thank you for doing that. Also, other admin items, there are uh, still some posters online and Strength is a Choice shirts for sale, and that is at thecsuway.com. Down the line, I intend to make some, some more shirts, some morale patches, and other fun stuff. So thank you guys again. I'm grateful for your time and attention. I hope the detail, depth, and intention of the show is enough of a token of appreciation for 
your moments. Now, let's talk about the four agreements. Starting with Don Miguel Ruiz and the Toltec philosophy. The book says, thousands of years ago, the Toltecs were known throughout Southern Mexico as men and women of knowledge. Anthropologists have spoken about the Toltec as a nation or a race, but in fact, the Toltec were scientists and artists who formed a society to explore and conserve the spiritual, spiritual knowledge and practices of the ancient ones. They came, they came together as masters and students at Teotihuacan, the ancient city of pyramids outside Mexico City, known as the place where man becomes God. Now that's straight from the book. The Toltecs, ruins, Ruiz, uh, Ruiz explains, were artists and spiritual seekers who thrived in Mexico hundreds of years ago before they were forced to hide their ancestral wisdom from European conquerors. Though it is not a religion, it honors all the spiritual masters who have taught on earth. It not only embraces spirit, but it is, it is described as a way of life, uh, distinguished by the ready accessibility of happiness and love. Uh, now, Ruiz, his family descends from the Toltecs. And although Ruiz's grandfather and mother both, both practiced Toltec healing and teaching, Ruiz rejected the tradition and went back and ended up going to medical school. But in his final year, he was in a car accident. Against all logic, he was physically unscathed. Uh, emotionally, however, he would never be the same. What he calls an out-of-body experience transformed his worldview. Unable to explain what had happened to him, he sought his grandfather's guidance. That experience was a violent car collision where Ruiz fell asleep and careened his car into a concrete wall. He remembered that he was not in his physical body as he watched himself pull his friends to safety. After that, he devoted himself to the intensive practice of self-mastery. In the tradition of the Toltec, Ruiz now guides others to personal freedom. Uh, so a couple side notes here. According to my research and, and looking at places like thoughtco.com, other than the name Toltec, his modern philosophy has, you know, it doesn't look like it has anything to do with the ancient Toltec civilization, and the two uh, should not be confused. Do these four agreements actually derive from ancient Toltec wisdom? I don't know. I will bet that many hard-nosed skeptics would have some serious doubts about that. Uh, as a skeptic myself, um, but to my fellow skeptics out there, I don't think it really matters. I also might mention that in one of Ruiz's other books called The Fifth Agreement, he suggests the following agreement. Be skeptical, but learn to listen. All right, now, uh, getting into the book. So there, there are certain parts of those the, the book here that aren't necessarily labeled an agreement. There are ideas and other philosophy within the book, but there's something here that I want to point out, and that is in chapter one, and it's entitled Domestication and Dream of a Planet. So again, this is not part of the four agreements, but it gives you an understanding of how environment, our environment domesticates us 
from childhood and leads us to living an unreflected life. So stay with me. There are parts of our lives we did not choose or have control over. This starts the day you were born. For example, you didn't choose your language, you didn't choose your school, you didn't choose what attitudes your parents instill in you, you didn't even choose your parents. We surrender to the beliefs of our parents, our peers, religion, teachers, family, and the world with our agreement. When we agree to something, we say yes to it. Ruiz calls this process the domestication of humans. He says, at an early age, we learn punishment and reward and form an image of perfection in order to try to be good enough to get a reward. We live by an image of how we should be in order to be accepted by everybody else. And our fear of being rejected becomes a fear of not being good enough. So again, he says, we live by an image of how we should be in order to be accepted by everyone else and our fear of being rejected becomes the fear of not being good enough. In the end, we are not good enough for ourselves because we don't fit with our image of perfection. So we punish ourselves with our own judgment. He also continues saying that children are domesticated the same way that we domesticate a dog, cat, or any other animal. In order to teach a dog, we punish the dog and give it rewards. We train our children whom we love so much the same way in that we train any domesticated animal with a system of punishment and reward. We are told you're a good boy, you're a good girl, and when we do what mom and dad wants us to do, um, like when we don't, we are a bad girl or a bad boy. And he says, the thing about this collective dream is that most of us are so domesticated now that we continue to do it to ourselves, to keep ourselves in our own mental cage, like an elephant with a cheap rope tied to our leg. In your whole life, nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself. You ever sit and marinate over and over on a mistake over and over again? The human is the only animal on earth that pays a thousand times for the same mistake. The rest of the animal kingdom pays once for every mistake they make, but not us. We have a powerful memory. We make a mistake, we judge ourselves, we find ourselves guilty, and we punish ourselves over and over and over again. If justice exists, then that was enough. We don't need to do it again. But every time we remember, Again, when we remember, we judge ourselves again. We are guilty again. We punish ourselves again and again and again. And that can last for years. The good news is we can free our mind and break out of this cycle. We can free ourselves from that rope. And I feel the four agreements can help with it. Carlos Castaneda who wrote the book, The Wheel of Time, The Shamans of Mexico, Their Thoughts About Life and Death, as a separate book. He tells us that the purpose of the warrior, and again, this is the ideal person in the Toltec tradition, the warrior, is to transcend social conditioning as we discover our personal power and learn to live with clear intent and impeccability. Again, to break free from the rope, 
And this book is going to show you how to do that. Ruiz says, attention is the ability we have to discriminate and to focus only on that which we want to perceive. The most important agreements are the ones you make with yourself. So let me say this, this again. Your attention is the ability that you have to discriminate all the information coming in and to focus only on what which you want to perceive. This is where perspective comes in. This is where strength is a choice comes in. Moving forward, you need a very strong will in order to adopt the four agreements. But if you can begin to ponder, adopt, or live your life with these agreements, the growth will be self-empowering, leaving you in the driver's seat of your own peace and mastery. You will see emotional pain, the distance between your reality and your expectations slowly drift down the river. Now, in summary, here are the four agreements, and then I'm going to break them down in further detail. So this is, um, the four agreements are be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. Seems easy enough, right? So being impeccable with your word, and this is from, from the book here, speak with integrity, say only what you mean, avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the word of, use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. Don't take anything personally. That's number two. This is going to be a big one, everyone. If you're not writing this down, engrave it in your brain. Nothing others do is because of you. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Number three, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And the fourth one, always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. That's a quick little summary for you. Now I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm going to go back to the first agreement, which is be impeccable with your word. Ruiz says the first agreement is the most important one and also the most difficult one to honor. It is important that with just this first agreement, you will be able to transcend your level of existence. He calls heaven on earth. The first agreement is to be impeccable with your word. It sounds simple, but it is very, very powerful. But why? Why your word? Well, your word is the power you have to create. It is the one with it is one of the most powerful tools you have. It is like a sword. It can create and it can destroy. It can set you free and it can enslave you. 
It depends how you use the magic and permanence of your word. Now I'm going to tie something into um, the book, my favorite book here, The Art of Living, the classical manual on virtue, virtue, happiness, and effectiveness. And this is Epictetus from 2,000 years ago. Speak only with good purpose. So much attention is given to the moral importance of our deeds and their efforts. Those who seek to live the higher life also come to understanding the often ignored moral power of our words. One of the clearest marks of our moral life is right speech. Perfecting our speech is one of the keystones of an authentic spiritual program. First and foremost, think before you speak to make sure you are speaking with good purpose. Glib talk disrespects others. Breezy self-disclosure disrespects yourself. So many people feel compelled to give voice to any passing feeling, thought, or impression they have. They randomly dump the contents of their mind without regard to the consequences. This is practically and morally dangerous. If we babble about every idea that occurs to us, big and small, we can easily fritter away in the trivial occurrence of mindless talk ideas that have true merit. Unchecked speech is like a vehicle lurching out of control and destined for a ditch. If need be, be mostly silent or speak sparingly. Speech itself is neither good nor evil, but is so commonly used carelessly that you need to be on your guard. Frivolous talk is hurtful, besides is unbecoming to be a chatterbox. Enter in dis into discussions when social and professional occasion calls for it. But be cautious that the spirit and intent of the discussion and its content remain worthy. Stay out of the clutches. So it continues to say that when we become small-minded, if we engage in discussion about other people, in particular, uh, Epictetus, Epictetus says to avoid blaming, praising, or comparing people. Uh, going back to the four agreements here, Ruiz has this example that the human mind is like fertile ground. The words and thoughts are like seeds. Be careful not to plant the seeds of fear. Instead, plant the seeds of love. How do we do this with honor? Well, let's look at the word impeccable. So he defines that word as without sin. So impeccability means without sin. Impeccable comes from the Latin peccatus, which means sin. The im in impeccable means without. So impeccable means without sin. Religions talk about sin and sinners, but let's, not under, let's uh, understand what it really means to sin. A sin is anything that you do which goes against yourself. Everything you feel or believe or say that goes against yourself is a sin. You go against yourself when you judge or blame yourself for anything. Being without sin is exactly the opposite. Being impeccable is not going against yourself. When you are impeccable, you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. So, being impeccable with your word is not using the word against yourself. 
Loving yourself and showing self-respect is being impeccable with your word. Making an agreement with yourself to be impeccable with your word will help you manifest positive intention. Your word is your contract. And being truthful is the most important part. Now, where I see this applied in my day-to-day is gossiping. It is a form of communication for the miserable folks. It is a way for them to feel closer because they, they, they like to know that other people feel as badly as they do. It's contagious. So be mindful of opinion cavity-causing gossip. It is a poisonous virus. Know that you do not have to get sick and help spread the virus. If you understand the first agreement, be impeccable with your word, you will begin to see that you are free. You are strong enough to create change in how you deal with yourself, other people, and those that you love. Ruiz says, if we adopt the first agreement and become impeccable with our word, any emotional poison will eventually be cleaned from our mind and from our communication in our personal relationships. So one of the things I can relate to with this agreement is to remain true to your own word to yourself. So be impeccable with the words in your head. Monitor them because those thoughts become actions. That thought, where it comes from, is the greatest battlefield battlefield you will ever face. So win there first. Moving on to the second agreement, don't take anything personally again i'm gonna say this listen and repeat after me write it down take a picture do what you got to do nothing other people do is because of you it is because of themselves the next three agreements are really born from the first agreement the second agreement is again don't take anything personally whatever happens around you don't take it personally using an early example if you see If I see you on the street and I say, hey, you are so stupid. Without knowing you, it's not about you, it's about me. If you take it personally, then perhaps you believe you are stupid. Maybe you think to yourself, how does he know? Is he clairvoyant? Or can everybody see how stupid I am? If you take that personally, that's because you agree with it, allowing the poison to spread through you. Now that poison is yours. Whatever people think, say, do, or don't do, don't take it personally. Now let's go to the art of living and see what it says. See what they say here. Avoid adopting other people's negative views. Other people's views and troubles can be contagious. Don't sabotage yourself by unwittingly adopting negative, unproductive attitudes through your associations with others. I mean, it seems pretty simple, right? I'm going to switch it to a different section in the same book here. No one can hurt you. In fact, I'm going to save that, I think. Nah, let's just do it. Other people's views and troubles. Nope, nope, nope. Excuse me. Here we go. People don't have the power to hurt you. Even if someone shouts, abuses at you, or strikes you, or or if you are insulted, it is always your choice to view what is happening as insulting or not. 
If someone irritates you, it is only your own response that is irritating you. Therefore, when anyone seems to, to be unprovo- uh, seems to be provoking you, remember that it is only your judgment of the incident that provokes you. Don't let your emotions get ignited by mere appearances. Try not to merely react in the moment. Pull back from the situation. Take a wider view. Compose yourself. So back to the four agreements. Reese is talking about how by not taking things personally, you free yourself from the addiction of suffering. Again, I'm going to say that again. You free yourself from the addiction of suffering. By releasing yourself of this addiction, you are in a better position to help each other as opposed to helping each other suffer. And that's something I think we do a lot of without even realizing is that we help each other suffer. Remember, you are in charge of you. You are accountable for what you do, what you think, how you feel. You are in charge of driving your own emotional vehicle. Don't consent to letting someone painful to you drive your own system. Hang on to your keys. You are not responsible for the actions of others. Marcus Aurelius tells us in meditation, uh, in his, the book Meditations, tells us not to worry about the opinion of other people who don't even have a good opinion of themselves. He says, the approval of such men who do not even stand well in their own eyes has no value for him. So if you keep this agreement, don't take anything personally, you will become unconquerable. And like David Goggins says, can't hurt me. The third agreement, don't make assumptions. Again, the third agreement is don't make assumptions. And here's a quote. We have the tendency to make assumptions about everything. The problem with making assumptions is that we believe that they are the truth. We could swear they are real. We make assumptions about what others are doing or thinking. We take it personally. Then we blame them and react by sending emotional poison with our word. That is why whenever we make assumptions, we are asking for problems. We make an assumption, we misunderstand, we take it personally, and we end up creating a whole big drama for nothing. Our imagination creates our own emotional poison. Our mind can be a parasite creating soul cavities, making us thought drunk. Assumptions, they aren't real. We only see what we want to see, what we want to hear. Remember, you're in charge of that attention. So Ree says, all the sadness and drama you have lived in your life was rooted in making assumptions and taking things personally. So back to the art of living. Recognize appearances for what they really are. From now on, practice saying to everything that appears unpleasant. You are just an appearance and by no means what you appear to be. And then thoroughly consider the matter according to the principles just discussed. Primarily, does this appearance concern the things that are within my own control and those that are not? If it concerns anything outside your control, train yourself not to worry about it.
And then on page seven here, uh, this little page here is entitled, See Things for What They Are. Circumstances do not rise to meet our expectations. Events happen as they do. People behave as they are. Embrace what you actually get. Open your eyes. See things for what they really are, thereby sparing yourself the pain of false attachments and avoidable devastation. Think about what delights you, the tools on which you depend, the people whom you cherish, but remember that they have their own distinct character, which is quite a separate matter from how we happen to regard them. As an exercise, consider the smallest things for which you are attached. For instance, suppose you have a favorite cup or a favorite coin. It is, after all, merely a cup. So if you should break, if it should break, you could cope. Next, building up to things or people toward which your clinging feelings and thoughts intensify. Remember, for example, when you embrace your child, your husband, your wife, you are embracing a mortal. Thus, if one of them should die, you could bear it with tranquility. I know, much harder done than said. But when something happens, the only thing in your power is your attitude towards it. You can either accept it or resent it. What really frightens and dismays us is not the external events themselves, but the way in which we think about them. It is not things that disturb us, but our interpretation of their significance. So, don't make assumptions. Instead of creating an imaginary world, tricking yourself into thinking it is a reality, try to communicate clearly. If you don't know or understand something, ask. With clear communication, your relationship with your world will change, and that is in your control. Don't be fooled by assuming that little rope can hold you back. Now let's move on to the fourth agreement. Always do your best. There's just one more agreement here. Excuse me while I settle here into my books. So this next agreement of always doing your best is the one that allows the other three to become deeply ingrained habits. The fourth agreement is about the action of the first three. Always do your best under any circumstance. Always do your best, no more and no less. But keep in mind that your best is never going to be the same from moment to moment. Everything is alive and changing all the time. So your best will sometimes be high quality and other times it will just be good. And from the art of living, Know what you can control and what you can't. Happiness and freedom begin with a clear understanding of one principle. Some things are within our control and some things are not. It is only after you face this up to this fundamental rule and learn to distinguish between what you can control and what you can't that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness becomes possible. Within our control, our are our own opinions, aspirations, desires, and the things that repel us. These areas are quite rightly our concern, but they are directly subject to our influence. 
we always have a choice about the contents and character character of our inner lives. Trying to control or to change what we can't only result results in torment. And there's another part that talks about harmonizing your actions with the way life is. Don't try to make your own rules. Conduct yourself in all matters, grand and public or small and domestic, in accordance with the laws of nature. Harmonizing your will with nature should be your utmost ideal. Where do you practice this ideal? In the particulars of your own daily life with this uniquely personal tasks and duties. When you carry out your tasks, such as taking a bath or a shower, do so to the best of your ability, in harmony with nature. When you eat, do so to the best of your ability, in harmony with nature, and so on. It is not so much what you are doing as how you are doing it. When we properly understand and live by this principle, while difficulties will arise, for they are part of the divine order too, inner peace will still be possible. There is a term that, in fact, before I even get into that term, ah, let's just do it. Uh, the term is arete. It is a Greek word meaning excellence or virtue, but it has a deep, deeper meaning, something closer to striving to do your best moment to moment to moment. That word, I, I put it up there pretty close to you know, it's, it's definitely a, 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 the one-two punch to Sisu in my little toolbox here. But it fits here in the agreement of always doing your best. Uh, it is about striving to be your best moral self. Sometimes the distance between that and what you are, so the distance between your, your best moral self, your best you, and what you really are, the space between those two is where suffering and depression grows. So arte is about the best expression of your mind, body, and soul. And this agreement is about incorporating the philosophy of arte in everything you do. And how you do anything is how you do everything. Now, remember, the first step towards personal freedom is awareness. That rope is tied to you. You are not tied to it. You can break free. The goal of this show is to provide self-awareness to how strong you are so you can self-regulate. This is a superpower. It's actually the path of grit, character, gratitude, and service, the, the, the tenets of the show. A little secret, they're in that order on purpose. But if you follow these agreements, you can free you, free yourself from the rope. You can free yourself from the victim role to become free. It is hard, but you have a strong will. The path is full of obstacles that you can use to transcend your experience of suffering, which is life. Can't avoid it. So to recap, the first agreement, be impeccable with your word. The second, don't take anything personally. The third agreement, don't make assumptions. And the fourth, always do your best. Kind of reminds me of uh, these three little rules. Uh, uh, a friend and family man, Jeff Glazer, always says, and he says, do your best, be kind, and have fun. 
But I'd like to close out with a quote from Don Miguel Ruiz because it resonates with the concept of strength is a choice, uh, gratitude, and that your life becomes a masterpiece when you learn to master peace. So here it is. The world is very beautiful and very wonderful. Life can be very easy when love is your way of life. You can be loving all the time. This is your choice. You may not have a reason to love, but you can love because love makes you so happy. Love in action only produces happiness. Love will give you inner peace. It will change your perception of everything. Thank you guys for listening to my short introduction to The Four Agreements, uh, a Toltec wisdom book. Thank you for listening. And remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. You are the master of your fate. You are the captain of your soul. So get up strong. Help others get up strong and be unconquerable. With humble gratitude, Scott McGee. Happy New Year, everyone.